Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Paddington, directed by Paul King and released in 2014. The plot of Paddington goes like this. A young talking bear from darkest Peru moves to London to find a new home. Okay, so Paddington is like aggressively whimsical. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> like, it is. Okay, it was whimsical from the start, but there's the, the moment when Nicole Kidman's character was introduced. Um, now, a lot of the time the whimsy works for the movie, but like that was the point at which I was like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> like, okay, he's a talking bear like from a rare breed of bears in Peru. Fine, whatever. You know, that's all you suspend disbelief for movies but she's introduced she basically goes i'm an evil taxidermist and i want to catch this bear because i heard about him somehow and i'm going to kill him and stuff him like i'm going to do with this monkey here and i'm a jerk whack and you're like what like what she's not introduced before that we don't even yeah. see her in profile or in background or anything her very first scene is this is my evil plan i'm super evil like what is that? I was, I just figured it was a movie made for kids. Like they I really simplified is. out the villains, and so I don't know. I, re- I really, I found myself really enjoying this. I was not. I just kind of went along to it, going eh, and then I, I came out of it thinking this is a really good kids movie. Like I can actually think of kids in my life who would get a kick out of this. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I, I also think there's a problem with like treating kids like they're dumb, <laughs> which mm. I felt like that scene kind of does and a few other bits. Also, at one point, I'm pretty sure Nicole Kidman just casually kills a taxi driver. Does she? Yeah. Yes. She just casually kills him, right? Yeah, like, you just don't see it. No, she cuts his rope down. He falls. There's a splash. He's like, ah, oh, there's a splash. And then <laughs> nothing. There's no like oh, him bobbing down the river when he, to prove I, that he's still alive. I he's figured, dead. I figured he landed in the water so he'd be okay. He was tied up. If he landed know. in the water, he would sink and drown and die. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't actually – I didn't really think of that. <laughs> but, yes, I, I figured the splash was their way of getting out of that and maybe he survived. They could easily make it that he survived. You no, know, he was didn't. They, they killed him. Right. Well, th- I mean, there's He's no logical the guy way. From little Britain. Yeah, Matt Lucas. Yeah. But there's no logical way for him to have survived. He has to be dead. Okay, if you say so. <laughs> anyway. Um, no, I just think – I, I think she was like, I don't think it's very challenging to kids. I mean, I do. There's a lot of things yeah. I really liked about it, but it's not anything groundbreaking or interesting or new. The story is very, very well trodden ground. Mm-hmm. It's kind of charming and whimsical and, you know, there's that steampunk place and all that sort of stuff. But I just think it. I came away from it sort of going like, what the f*** was that? And then, eh. Yes. I, I did enjoy myself and I think I think it would give this it's a certain range of kids who would really enjoy this mm. not maybe like if you've got a fairly adventurous 5-year-old up to about 10-year-olds probably would really enjoy it. I I think Nicole Kidman kind of I'm not sure that she was the best choice for this part because she's not like the <sighs> She's kind of not really got a lot of range in terms of her acting. Like, she really does. She's done the kind of Ice Queen villain thing before. She just kind of amps it up and choose a bit more scenery doing well, it in I this felt, version. Actually, I, I felt like the problem with it wasn't that she was doing the same role because she does it well. It's the fact that she didn't put any real menace into it. It felt like she was kind of 
sleepwalking through it, which was weird because Millicent, her character, was so weirdly competent at everything. So I (laughs) in high heels. Yes, she was. Um, I. I th- it's interesting you mentioned sleepwalking because I think there was I-, I think there was a couple of performances that were not quite the best that their actors could do in really? this. Yeah. What else? Uh it wasn't it was sort of in background characters. There was a lot of like um passing sort of bits. I, I can't remember, I just remember seeing a couple of actors come in and I'm thinking, eh. I don't think that's the peak of what you can do there. I well, mean I think there's yeah. I think it was also too gentle. Like they were, they were trying to make her really scary, but still make keep the movie really gentle. And I think that was the mm. where the problem is. Like she needs to be threatening and scary, but she isn't because they're still trying to make it really kind of kid friendly and gentle. And you're like, but that doesn't work when you've got this character. She's eerily competent at everything. Mm. Like she should be scary. We should be scared of her. Yes. And not scared. I know that's a stakes there's a- problem. There's never enough stakes. Like you never genuinely think that the family's in real danger. Yeah. And I know that I mean I've heard from some parents who were like, No, I don't want my kids to watch anything scary at all because they'll have nightmares. Um and I'm rather firmly in the camp of you should have kids get scared of movies because like movies can prepare you for yeah. being scared. Like you're not gonna be never be scared in real life. Yeah. Um so- I, uh, yes. I mean, there's all. I I agree with you to a degree. I know there are some. So there are some parents who've got really sensitive kids. Yeah, and they kind of they have to exercise judgment a bit. Mm. But and I'm not talking like yeah. you know show your five year old horror movies or anything. Yeah. I'm talking like a sensible level of scary, so that there's a real threat that the hero has to overcome. So they get to see the hero overcoming a threat and go, "I can do that too." Yeah, and and there's no sort of. Nicole Kidman just isn't that at all in this movie. And pa- Paddington is kind of not hasn't really have to overcome her. Like they, no, he, he doesn't rescued. overcome her. In fact, it's Julie Walters as Mrs. Bird, who yeah. is my favorite in the whole movie, who Wasn't overcomes she great? her. Great, she's so great. She's so <laughs> terrific in this, and she's so um, she's so much fun in this. Really, yeah. She's very uh, like the accent is great, and mm. she's got the whole kind of physical thing going on um, of this like old Navy wife and she's just she's funny and and sharp and very good in this like if you want to talk sleepwalking she's doing the opposite yeah she's not she's really just throwing herself into this and it's mm-hmm. terrific and that drinking scene with the guard is hilarious I know <laughs> where she fantastic. drinks him under the table <laughs> I just loved her in that oh yeah she was fantastic I really liked the mum as well I think oh god I Sally Hawkins yeah Sally Hawkins I thought she was really sweet like she's a really so many kids' movies, you like get the parents out of the way, and this was there were adults in it and allowed to be in it, and she was a nice mum as well. Like she helps the kids. Well, I think it depends on which Paddington. movie you're looking at. Because when I was looking at this, I was thinking it's the Beethoven's dad movie, like the or the the dad who has Beethoven, right? Like yeah, yeah. Oh, that's that- that's the storyline of this. It's the dad who is you know really uptight and has to learn to loosen up. That's and it's again been done so many times. Hugh Bonneville does a great job of. Right. Do, of that I'm so glad you remembered his name because I was like, you know, Lord Grantham. <laughs> See, I didn't watch couldn't Downton remember. Abbey, so I was fine. I couldn't remember. I, I, I've i only watched like one season of it. I just, for some reason, that was the only name I could remember. Um, yeah, he was also in, um, um, I'm like, Fury. No, it's the other end of war movie that we watched this year, Monuments mm. Men. Yeah. But yeah, he was, and he was lovely, I thought. Yeah, um, they're all Especially the drag lovely. scene. Yeah. But yeah, that it, the storyline wasn't really about the kids. It was about the dad yeah. accepting. Um, Wh- which I think that's kind of the the thing that 
you were talking about before where it's you, you want to show the kid heroes overcoming and solving their problems and all that kind of stuff and they don't. It's really dad who has to overcome the problems. Yeah. And, well, and Judy, who I thought was good too. Madeline something played mm. Judy and she was really good. Yes. The older daughter. Yes, yeah, she um, learns to speak bare. That was, she actually had an arc. She, not only did she have an arc, you when you first see her, you think she's kind of just like typical grumpy teenage girl and all this. And she not only has an arc, but she kind of blossoms. Like mm. she, you get to see that she actually has all these skills and she's a really interesting person. And just because yep. she was in a bad mood at the beginning because she was in this new place doesn't mean she's not a good and interesting person. I liked that. Yeah. Um, Sally Hawkins was good because she wasn't like a syrupy kind of sweet. No, she was like a really normal mum. But also, like, she had personality Mm. aspects. Like, she was, you know, when she was fawning over the boy that Judy brought home and all that sort of stuff. And, and, but she she was kind of flighty, cute thing going on. Yeah. And very whimsical. Yeah. With the whole mural up the stairs and all that sort of thing. See, the, the things that like that, the mural up the stairs and, and the great scenes where the house opened up like a dollhouse. Oh, wasn't it great? And you could see all their rooms. Those yeah. I really liked. Yeah. It was the – but then, you know, they kind of seem to excuse poor scene changes and poor s- plotting mm. with the whimsy aspect. Cute stuff. If yeah. that makes sense. That's what I felt with the Nicole Kidman thing and a few other mm. scenes where it's like, this doesn't really fit here. There's no reason for them to be doing this right now. Yeah. <laughs> like, and, and I feel like they kind of excused that away with, oh, it's whimsical. Yeah. Okay. Fair, fair enough. I, I kind of fell for it in a, in a way. I kind of enjoyed myself and enjoyed the ride and suspended the disbelief. And I also got quite a bit of enjoyment out of um, Peter Capaldi as the creepy neighbor. <laughs> Yeah, and, and work like he, he and develops this crush on Nicole Kidman, who's just using him to get into the house. And oh my god, he was so he was kind of adorable. And then he, ha, you know, has his own arc. It's very cute. Yeah, he calls her honeypot too, and she goes, "I was never your honeypot." And I'm like, "Well, actually, you were exactly a honeypot because you trapped him mm-hmm. by being sweet." <laughs> yeah, there's also like the visual metaphor of the of the mural of the tree is really good. Mm. Um, and the you get a good sense of the layout of the house. Mm. Which I kind of I like getting a sense of space in a movie. That was good. Yes, I like that. I I just like seeing the house like that. Just sort of the little boxes aspect of it. Yeah. How did you feel about the animation? Oh, the bear. Mm. Um, I know Jelly had problems with it, but I was less bothered because he he was like, it doesn't look like storybook Paddington. It doesn't look like Paddington from the books. Okay, see, I don't actually have any connection with yeah, Paddington uh, and exactly. from the books, so that didn't bother me at all. Me it neither. was more just that it, like, most of the time it was fine, but there were a couple of little places where it looked kind of glitchy, and mm. not because of the actors. I think the actors did an amazing job of acting with the, the fake, tennis ball. not their bear. And also, um, especially the kids. Yeah, I know. Like, they, they really interacted with something that wasn't there. Perfectly, like you never felt like Paddington was not in the scene or anything. Mm, I've, I was really that impressed was kind of with that seamless, and, and which is funny considering they were. I wonder if it made a difference. Like they were acting to this bear, they, but the bear changed voices like three months before release. It was supposed to be Colin Firth, and it were, ended up being um, Ben Wishaw. Ben Wishaw, who was so like he was perfect for the part. It was meant it, it needed the younger voice, I think. Colin yeah, well, he had to be young. Yeah. I think he actually kind of went. It was funny. He was he acted. He seemed really young at the beginning, and then much older by the movie. Yeah. by the movie's end. But I thought he was very affable and sweet. And yeah, I like Ben Wishaw anyway. So. Yeah, well, and, and um, I knew you would. So that's why I wanted to bring him up. Yeah, but I, I, 
I think by the way, also, I would like to point out that um, in this movie, Paddington was raised by Dumbledore and Umbridge, and then he was sent off to live with Mrs. Weasley, who uh, and and was helped by Slughorn to do nothing in the end, really, but to well, find to out where, find his hat, where his hat, hat came from. from. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's a There's British like, movie, so there so has to be a whole bunch of Harry Potter actors in it. Exactly. Um, yes. Oh, some of the messages of the movie. I thought there were some sweet little messages in there about helping strangers, helping refugees, and helping mm. the homeless. And I think they were good messages. They weren't really heavy-handed at all. In fact, that you could have blinked and missed them. Yeah, I feel like they were kind of secondary to the core message, which is, you know, about it doesn't matter what you look like, you're, you're still – you know, as important as anybody else, and and also, and you're still part of the family, and you know, you make your own families and stuff. Yeah, which is something that's been in in a lot of movies. I mean, this is basically the exact plot of Stuart Little. Yeah. Um, well, well, only that's they right. wanted him, and these guys didn't initially want him. It's very, very similar to yep. Stuart Little. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there was there's an opportunity there because it it's a, like it's come it's not a Christmas movie, but it's coming out at Christmas time, and there's mm-hmm. sort of. The message of, you know, kindness to strangers, I think, is always an important one. And especially the time change, like moving from sort of World War Two era. <laughs> no, but that doesn't make any sense. That all happened in the 70s. I know. It was supposed to have happened in the 70s. But well, did you notice, though, there's no internet? Like she leaves Paddington to look through phone books to find people But it home. is clearly set like, in the present day. I was weirded out by that because – the explorer looks like he's from the 1930s. Yes. He's actually from around the 1940s because they talk about the war and leaving orphans at stations and all that. And, and we have um, um, Slughorn, what's his name? Jim Broadbent's st- um, backstory where he was a, a German orphan left you know, yeah. at a station and all that kind of stuff. So the timing really doesn't work. And then, yeah, there's no internet. Like they don't – like he's on the phone to the insurance company and stuff and you sort of – it seems like it's present day but then you get this – why aren't they looking for this stuff on the internet? Why isn't he looking for Montgomery? What's his face on the internet? Why does he have to go on little journeys to find the guy? Yeah, that was we- that was kind of weird. Um, yeah, it, it was seemed like it was trying to be timeless or something. Yeah, and it so it would have worked better. Like it, it almost was set in the eighties. Like if it's, it, it would have been chronologically. It seems like that's when it was actually set, and it was kind of weird, but. The- yeah, Tom, uh, sorry, the friend that I went to see it with kept <laughs> leaning over and being like, this is the 70s in all of the flashback scenes because yeah, they were not. so clearly like, they're, not they're the 70s. They're obviously meant to look like colonial era, like maybe the 30s at yeah. latest. And there's the whole thing about, you know, darkest Peru, which is – and the <laughs> colonialism. Of all, I think there's becoming a warning on all children's movies, like mild homophobia and colonialism, <laughs> like – the, oh, there's oh, a, the um the drag yeah, thing. Yeah, the drag. drag that, all that drag thing always happens. Like mild it wasn't gay so stuff. much homophobia because, like, yeah, um, Hugh Bonneville's character didn't seem particularly put out by the fact that the, the guy dark, liked yeah, him. Yeah. Um, it's more, it's this validation of men dressed as women. The only way they can be validated in a movie is if a guy thinks they're a woman and hits on them aggressively, and that's what always happens. Mm. Um, I don't. I don't really think there was a lot of homophobia in it because I don't think that, like, he wasn't really uh, grossed out. He didn't make any kind of, no, you know, oh, my God, it's so horrible that a man is interested in me kind no, of thing. No, it was just more that it so, was a joke. Yeah, I, um, it, I think it was more a joke. It, it it's, it's the joking about – Subversion of gender roles is funny. Yeah. And uh, it's because it's, everything is so very strictly 
gender role. Yeah. You know, every everything, everybody has to fit into these little gender role pockets. So, yeah, I think it's more about, I don't know, like I think if he had been grossed out or something, but I think it's more about our gender role problem. Yeah. And the uh, and the the gender roles are very defined as well. Like mum stays at home, the daughter's no, good well, at languages. Mom's got a job. The son is a bit. Oh, it's true. But um, the son is good at science, kind yeah. of thing. Mum was a, not a stay at home mum. No. She was. She had a. She, she was an illustrator, so she, she did had have a job. job. Yep, and um, she probably made half the money for the. I mean, yeah, you know, and, but it was and it was so so very mild as to not be a particular problem. Like it mm. just, it's just one of those things where like the politics of kids' movies is just so very conventional. I just want to – I mean, I feel like they could have had She's a Stay-at-Home Mum. Like, I want to give it credit for not doing that. And I'm Mm. sure in the original story it probably was that. And she doesn't only um, illustrate – and it's part of the plot, but she illustrates gender – I mean, not (laughs) – adventure novels. Yeah. So it's not even like a cutesy kind of job. It's like a Mm. cool – kind of illustrator job rather yeah. than her like illustrating kids books or something like that you know it's mm. and that is part of the plot as well and you know her the dad becomes her hero again and whatever but and also you saw her when she was younger and she was really like <laughs> they were really cool but they, yeah they looked <laughs> that flashback scene I was like I was cringing in embarrassment for the actors but they gave it their all anyway well that's the only way to do it isn't it to like just go all out but uh, but the thing is that flashbacks seem look like they were flashing back to the sixties. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. It just. And it, but it was also super cute. Mm. Like when the, like the 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 little transition bit there. Yeah. Where like they were um you know they were super super free spirits and everything. They go in and they come out and he's like, stay out of the way of the baby. I know it's <laughs> it adorable. adorable. Um, yeah, I really liked were, that scene. Yeah, a lot of things for adults that are really kind of cute. I liked the um a lot of the um. Not the transitions in terms of like sometimes it would be a really big shift of mood or something, but mm. the um the stylistic transitions. Uh, yeah. They had a lot of fun, like something would come at the screen and then it would wipe and it would be the next scene and stuff like that. Yeah. That was cute. Like stylistically, I think the movie was really mm. nice. Um, Aesthetically, really pretty. Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah. I was just looking up um when Paddington Bear came out because w- there is all this chronological confusion. So the book's from the 50s. So I think that it kind of makes sense in that I think they might have had some trouble adapting the books into like present day. Like they wanted to keep a lot of the stuff for plot convenience. It helped if Paddington had to run around London and solve problems rather than you know looking up looking them up on the internet kind of thing. Mm. But it just it did feel a bit awkward as to, because you sort of kept getting thrown thrown around into different eras, mm. and I it, that was a bit sort of not quite right. I think you could have done a modern adaptation and you could have taken advantage of actually living in the modern world and they just didn't quite do it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the the time shifts was a real issue because it was so unbelievable. And mm. I, But that's obviously not going to be an issue for kids. No, they're not going to Because they're not going to have any concept of when the, th- the 30s and 40s were and no. when this should be set and stuff. So, mm. I mean. No, they're just interested in the bear and the other kids yeah, and the adventure. And the adventure. I think they probably would have got a kick out of the uh, – Tiny police bear scene. Yes. <laughs> it's a tiny police bear, um, which was, again, like, it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. And then all the kids in the school come and cheer for him and Judy's like, hey, he is cool after all. And you're like, oh, God. Yeah. But at the same time, tiny police bear made it worth <laughs> it for me. Yeah. <laughs> this bad guy is literally like, oh, my God, it's some kind of tiny police bear. And, and, and there was like... Some little breaking the fourth wall jokes, like when they arrive at their house in the taxi, the taxi driver's like, and they were like, did you need 
to take that long, mate. He's like, oh, this bear said it was his first time in London. I thought I'd take the scenic route. And it's just like, you know, because we have taken the scenic route just so we can show off that we're actually in London. Mm. Yeah, that was cute. Um, so for us, it's kind of odd to see a talking bear, right? Yes. We have to suspend disbelief to see a talking bear. But in Everybody world, in the movie is like, oh, it's a talking bear. Cool. Yeah, no, nobody, like, it's just like, oh, it's a bear. Hi. No, no it kind of ranges from, oh, it's a bear. Hi, to, oh, it's a bear. That's a bit weird. Yeah. Oh, it's a bear. What's going on in that house? <laughs> yeah, but there's still no yeah. point at which they're like, that's crazy. It's a talking bear. How can it possibly talk? So, yeah, I it, obviously that in the world it just works. I don't know. I haven't. I, I probably read these books when I was a kid. I just don't remember them well enough to know if that's sort of the norm. I have heard of Paddington Bear before. I think that's the total extent of my background in it. So unfortunately, neither of us can say can talk as a a, a hardcore fan Paddington of Paddington fangirls. Um, yeah, I mean it was cute. You know, it was. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I, I think also all of the clumsiness gags kind of wore me down a bit. Yeah. Um, I didn't, I wasn't really feeling that, but I'm an adult. Yeah. And I uh, don't know whether kids would have been yeah. really, really into that or I not. I was thinking kids, there's a few of those that kids would really like, like, you know, brushing his ears with toothbrushes and sort of slight gross out humor. Oh, that wasn't so bad. So it was just were, the, that went on, the, the going on for a really long time until he floods the whole bathroom and then he opens the door and he yeah, goes so down in the I, bathtub and you're like, oh, We had a it. few kids in the screening. We went to an afternoon screening. There were a few kids in it and they really did seem to be getting a kick out of that stuff. And I was, See, what, I went at 8.20 at night, so I had no kids to yeah. base my – So what, there was a little, a little kid in front of us who was probably too little for it, maybe three – it, uh, and he was probably a bit too little for it, but he seemed to enjoy himself. But there were other kids, sort of five to eight-year-olds, and they were definitely getting a kick out of those sort of slapstick scenes. And I I, I sort of i have got this instinct for it now. In my head, I, I have a particular kid that I know in mind who's like five and a little bit quirky. Mm. And I was like, she will love this. This would be right up her alley. Yeah. And I mean, again, like I, I kind of felt like, yeah, kids might get a kick out of this. It's just a little bit – it's a little bit too much for adults, but – they weren't too long and there was enough in there, I think, to for adults to have a good time going along. Mm. I actually really liked Jim Broadbent's character. Um, yep. I think he was quite nice and, and not too much of a caricature and I liked his hair. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. um, and was able to subtly make the point about war refugees and caring for strangers and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, just I think – the steampunk thing kind of took me out of it a little bit just because it was so anachronistic. Like, why is this steampunk and nothing else is? Um, it was an interesting thing with the – it sort of ties into the Natural History Museum thing, the sort of eight, uh, 18 – what's 19th century, you know, ideas about taxidermy and that particular museum and its connection to Charles Darwin and the explorers from that era and all that sort of stuff, which is the sort of cultural background of the whole movie. Mm. And so I think they kind of thought the steampunk would – bring them into that but again that just adds to the sort of chronological confusion for me yeah but the, also the steampunk thing is not of this world in any point in history like no it's a it's a alternate future 
concept, right? Yep. Steampunk is, is kind of an, that we never had steampunk in real life. No. Um, everything else that was in here, apart from the talking bear thing, was stuff that we have had in real life in the past. And yet steampunk, like, I feel like that must come from the books because it must be something that they thought was in the future. Mm. Um, and like, it, it's just so, like, it was cool and everything. It's just like, why is the rest of the movie all in real kind of times? And this is like in this, you know, weird alternate future that never happened style. But mm. then it was hooked up to a computer, but then the computer was clearly from, like, the early 90s. And you're like, what? Yeah, I I thought that as like, well. Like, it was, it, it was connected to Doogie House's computer. Yeah, I. It, but then it had, like, you know, Charles Darwin's pipes. Yeah. Oh, weird. I don't, I don't know. I think there was a bit of sort of, I think it, there was probably something in there about Paddington as an English icon and it wanted to get some very English things like, you know, 19th century explorers and geographers and your sort of, you know, colonialist gentlemen of leisure in there. I well, don't also, know. I have a kind of a problem with the fact that um, Millicent turned evil because her dad was a decent guy. Yeah. That kind of really put me off. Weird. Right? Like, it was so nasty and kind of... <sighs> really negative like don't actually help these animals because it's because you're putting your family down by doing it kind of attitude and i know that they then like it was then in contrast to the you should help them because they're part of the family thing it was just weird mm. and a weird like i did figure out that she must have been the daughter of the explorer fairly early on yeah but at the same time you're like but that's just kind of like i thought he must have done something when he came back that wasn't so good, like obsessing over the bears or something, mm. that would, to me, have made more sense for her to turn evil. Like if he was obsessively like, oh, he could never find them again or something like that rather than he was protecting them. Yeah, I think there was shoehorning in a motivation. Yeah. Also, um, there is a kind of weird xenophobia about the darkest Peru thing, but then they kind of try to subvert it by Paddington going, I'm from darkest Peru. And when you go there, it's really, really nice and bright and happy and yeah. like the, and he calls it the most beautiful place on earth. Yeah. I so- think that, again, I think that's sort of very mild anti-colonialist commentary. Like the book's got very colonialist roots. It's from the 1950s when the British Empire was collapsing, but the, you know, the colonialist past was still very much a living memory. And so I think they were trying to both like include aspects of the original story that kind of make sense to the story and at the same time poke a bit of fun at it, but it was very, very mild. Yeah, that's the kind of feeling that I got yeah. as well. And then Darkest Peru just became like a – a name of a place. Yeah, like also if- when when um his aunt, what is it, Pastuzo and Lucy? Yeah, <laughs> love the names. They made me so when he was like, I named her after my f- my dear mother, and I named him after an exotic boxer I met once. I know, <laughs> so cute. I had this idea that he had this affair, this torrid affair with the exotic boxer that he met. <laughs> yeah, like that's why he'd left his um, that's why he's left his wife and daughter. He'd gone off to Peru with his boyfriend. Yeah, but uh, when Lucy gets rid of Paddington, she goes, I'm going to the home for retired bears, and you're so sure that she's dead, and like he's sending her these letters and she's not going to get them, and then you see her in the home for retired bears, which is a real thing, and she's reading the letters, and you're like, okay. (laughs) Oh, see, I was like, no, it's a kid's movie. They'll keep it all safe. Oh, I just thought we weren't going to see her again. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then the kids could infer that she went to the home for retired bears and the adults would be like, oh, yeah, she died. Yeah. Just like poor old Matt Lucas died. But no. No. (laughs) I think that's, yeah, I think it's a deliberate sort of, mm, 
I don't know, that it, it, it might be something about this sort of modern idea about you can't expose kids to too much scary stuff. Like everyone has to – it's a um, – Stephen Moffat comes to mind. Nobody ever really dies that you kind of, you know. But Pastiso died. Mm. And Matt, poor Matt Lucas died. So, But not obviously. Like I, I said, he was, it was only, he was like, you can infer whether he died or not. I know, I know. I'm just kidding around. Um, but Pastuso definitely died. Mm. Um, which, you know, at least the mother didn't, I mean, the, the aunt didn't die, but it's, um, it is what it is. You have to have something to send yeah. him off on his way. Um, you know, Paddington is lovely and polite and very likable and all of that sort of thing. And he's all the things that you, you would want a kid to be. So you can see why he would be kind of the hero. I do feel like the youngest son kind of got shafted. Yeah. Like, because he was the one who liked Paddington. You'd, th- you'd think they would build up that connection a little bit more. And they don't. And they really don't. Like, he's really barely in it. But I also think that might be because he's not a very good actor. Yeah, I think... Y- he he was one of the ones where I was like, oh, that kid's not very good. <laughs> yeah, but he wasn't so much sleepwalking through it as, as young. He was, he's, yeah, he's like eight and he has to act to a tennis ball. I mean, yeah. he did pretty well with what he had. I just, I, I get Well, the- yeah, but, you know, Lindsay Lohan was what, like 10 when she did Parent Trap where she had to act to herself and she was brilliant in that. So they can find actors who can do it. It's just that kid wasn't really it. No. Um. So, yeah, he was – I can sort of see – I mean, but you'd think they could have cast him better because that's script as well. Like, if there had been more of that in the script. But it was really about the connection between Paddington and Daddy Substitute, which also kind of makes sense because he lost his Daddy Substitute. (laughs) Yeah. Because Pastuzo's his uncle. Yeah, exactly. So that makes some kind of sense, I guess. Yeah. And there's, um, you know, there's all these things they have to include, like the marmalade stuff. Yeah. Which is interesting because marmalade isn't really a big thing now, you know. Like I think it's a bit, also a bit archaic. That's why they they make it. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's another one of those um, chronological confusion things. I'm but, sure they, they'll get a big boost in sales after. Well, this, and though. also, well, they, no, you know what? We'll get a boost. It'll be like homemade, making your own marmalade and canning it yourself <laughs> from orange. Let's have a marmalade day. All the parents are like, ugh. <laughs> Must we? Do we have to cook? <laughs> Let's have a marmalade day and then go throw snowballs at each other. Yay! Well, and the kid will try marmalade and be like, ooh. Yeah. No, yeah, marmalade reminds me of my British grandparents and mother. Like, that's, you know, it's well, a bit old-fashioned. It reminds me of my grandmother, who's not British, but yeah. who wasn't British. But, you know, it's still that kind of slightly old-fashioned, not really a thing anymore kind of. Yeah, but it is a quirk and it is, you know, you had to include it. Yeah, I, I understand that. Mm-hmm. That was fine. Um, also, when he came over and he just ate marmalade in the boat for what must have been months <laughs> <laughs> and, like, didn't ever leave the boat and yeah. stuff. I don't know. Yeah, I know. I kept – when he was going to use the facilities, I was like, but does he know about toilets? Like, where is he pooping? Where is he weeing? That was uh, – because, I don't know, clearly I'm five as well <laughs> because I was worried about where he was, you know, doing his business. Yeah, exactly. And then and it, it, his not in fear the of the facilities. Yeah. But, yeah, well, because bears in the forest don't really need to use toilets. Which is exactly what I, in my head I was thinking. 
to bear shit in the woods because like, <laughs> I'm an idiot. Uh, uh, yeah. No, there were a few moments when I was thinking, like, I spent a lot of time dwelling over the fact that Nicole Kidman killed Matt Lucas. Um, uh, obviously. Yeah, and, we're, and obviously, because I didn't even, I was just like, no, I don't think he's really dead. This is a kid's movie. I spent a lot of time dwelling over various things, like that that ninja flip that she does to take out the, gu- the guards in order to find out where Paddington went. And Oh, when um, she's coming in upside down and her yeah. wig stays on, I was so impressed. I was like, <laughs> you go costume department, like makeup department, hair and makeup. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, Although they seriously spent all their money on her because in the credits there's like Nicole Kidman's hair, Nicole Kidman's makeup, Nicole Kidman's driver, Nicole Kidman's this. Did you see Matt Lucas's hat stay on though when he was hanging upside down? Yeah. <laughs> they must have glued it to right? his head. How his hat is- and glasses stayed on. How good is and this in wardrobe place? department? <laughs> My glasses fall off if I jump too hard. Like Right. Right. My glasses don't stay on at all, you know. They they fall off all the time. And when she shoots him from across the across the thing, and he's like, "How?" But then later she can't target him, and he's much closer. Ugh. Makes no sense. Makes no sense. Yeah, it just really doesn't. No. And Chekhov's pigeons. <laughs> oh, the pigeons! I love the pigeons. They were my favorite. I loved the guard. I think oh, he was Buckingham my favorite. Palace. The Buckingham yes, Palace guard so- who had the tea in his hat. <laughs> oh my god, that was adorable. Yes, yes. I think that might have been my favorite moment of the- I was uh, that was made me gleeful. Yeah, and and obviously that's everyone's new head cannon. They've all got a thermos in their yeah. big giant bearskin hats. Yeah. Uh okay, so do you want to give Paddington a rating? Oh, three and a half. Three. Cool. Thank you very much for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Uh, if you want to read our show notes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. If you want to read Katie's review of Paddington or all of the other movies she watches, um, you can do that on her blog, silverscreenqueen.wordpress.com. Where I've I'm- been very good at keeping up with them this month, considering that I'm watching so many. I've only gotten about three behind, mm. and now I'm only one behind, so that's pretty good. Woo. Um, we are also on Tumblr, tumblr.silverscreenqueens.com. We're on Twitter at screen underscore queens. We're on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. And I think that's everywhere you can find us. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. Bye. See you next time.